Welcome to Judaism Demystified, a podcast for the perplexed. We are joined by Rabbi Yitzhak Berdugo. Rabbi Berdugo was born and raised in South Florida. He studied at Yeshivat Bet Moshe Chaim Talmudic University in Miami Beach and received his semicha under the auspices of its Rosh Yeshiva, Rabbi Yochanan Moshe Zweig. While further studying in New York, Rabbi Berdugo received his Yore Yore from Rabbi Eliyahu Ben Chaim, Rosh Yeshiva and Av Beit Din of Badas Mekor Chaim, Queens, New York, followed by a Kabbalah and Shechita and in lung checking. Following the, in the path of the illustrious Rabbanim of the Berdugo family, Rabbi Berdugo has written much on Halakha and has authored his own responsa covering a variety of topics. With great admiration for the Chachamim of Sfarad, Rabbi Berdugo has a passion in the translation and promulgation of their works. Currently residing in Miami Beach, Florida, Rabbi Berdugo served as the Rosh Kolel of the Bal Harbor Kolel and is pursuing his Dayanut qualification through the Eretz Chemda Institute of Jerusalem and Montefiore Endowment. Without further ado, Rabbi Berdugo. Thank you for joining the Judaism Demystified podcast. Thank you, Rabbi Berdugo, for coming on. We've been waiting for this for a long time, and we want to hear a little bit more about yourself, your background, your education, and your most recent project, your book, Understanding Chazal. So take it away. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for the honor and privilege to be here with you guys. Keep up the good work what you guys are doing. Definitely much needed. Thank you. Um, so I'm taking it away from the beginning, <laughs> just about the book or about my... Uh... Yeah, Let's yeah. learn about your background yeah. before, I guess, no? Yeah. Background. Okay, sure, no problem. So I'm born and raised here in South Florida, uh, Miami Beach. Then we moved to, uh, when I was younger, around five, six years old, we moved to a place called Weston near Sawgrass Mall, a big mall there. And then from there, we went to Parkland, actually. Unfortunately, people know it from the shooting there, Parkland. Mm-hmm. Uh, tons of Jews there. I would say, I don't know. I don't know most, but even in the school where they, unfortunately that shooting was, it was filled with Jews, maybe 40% Jewish. My cousins were actually there during the shooting, but we, I went to a, a private school, a private, um, non-Jewish school, secular school. But again, also most of the kids were Jewish. Uh, a lot of even people, Kohanim, last name Kohen and everything, but they were Goyim as well. Um, but I had a traditional upbringing from my father's side. Uh, he came straight from Tangier, Morocco, uh, when he was around 24, 23 or 24 years old. And uh, he also came from the, the Berdugo family, like a rabbinical family. So he had a lot of very strong tradi- traditions, but he came here wanting to be a movie star. <laughs> a very interesting path, uh, a different path than his his ancestors had. But uh, he Did it came... work out for him or no? He actually was, my father was on Miami Vice, the, okay. the TV show, a couple episodes. He's like the guy in the background saying, oh my God, <laughs> a couple words there and a few episodes. <laughs> Pretty funny. So, uh, but he married, my mother was Ashkenazi Jew from, uh, you know, she's a, comes from a chant of all different, from Hungary, Poland, Russia, everything you could think of. Uh, but already like four generations secular here in, in America. So it was very interesting, two sides of, of the, the the spectrum of the Sephardic traditional and very secular Ashkenazi. Um, but my dad, you know, he really tried to raise this more traditional. Uh, our bar mitzvah was then orthodox, even though like we would go maybe every now and then to like a conservative reform shul. But my dad was very like, no, we have to go orthodox. And the only orthodox we had there was Chabad. 
and in uh, in Chabad, we you know he, we we wore tefillin. My father used to go make sure you know every morning after my bar mitzvah, learn to put on tefillin. Um, uh, he made our house kasher as well, even though sometimes we would sneak in, you know, things that we shouldn't have been sneaking in, but definitely a traditional upbringing. And uh, it was also very just funny seeing the different sides of my mom's family. Uh, unfortunately, even some of them married to uh, let's say non-Jews, and. <laughs> And um, and my father's family, which a lot of them maintain the traditions and even B'nai Torah, are very religious. So very two di two different worlds clashing uh, in in my house. Um, but uh, towards I would say like 15, 16, 17, getting more into it, I was I was very into music. I actually went to uh, every summer I would go to Berklee College of Music in Boston. Uh, I got a full scholarship to go there to study there. But instead of that, I during that time, I was getting more and more into Torah. Um, there's not any crazy particular story. I know we went to Orsamech for a little bit, and there you hear stories like, yeah, after I killed my teacher and went to prison for five years, I, uh, <laughs> I well, saw Orsamech is like a haven for, for interesting stories. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I was like the only one that didn't have that. <laughs> I, I actually, I, I uh, met somebody in Orsamech that was supposed to sign a contract as an offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers. And oh, really? he came to study in Orsamech for like one month just because like he wanted to like kind of look a little bit knows Jewish roots before he goes off to the NFL world and he like quit the whole thing and you know he like changed a lot. Everyone, I don't know, Orsamech has these stories all the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah crazy stories. Um, so from there, yeah, so uh, very heavily involved in music. I had band, I was in bands, we toured uh um and we were gonna get uh, actually i even got they wanted me to join some uh some rock band whatever but uh, i didn't end up joining it uh but so but at the same time i was getting definitely into uh more into religion actually it happened to be because my brother was getting his bar mitzvah and and uh, we had a chabad rabbi that would drive like an hour away to come and tutor my brother and then during that time as well um i i kind of it's it's pretty funny we talked about that uh, when you were at your shochet, but at that time, <laughs> you know, I'm on the, I guess my generation was like the first real generation to like use the internet like crazy and just explore it. Like even in school, my, my high school or my middle school was like the first school to start using like laptops in class. So like we were like the Dordea, the generation of knowledge and just like <laughs> searching things like crazy. And randomly I found out about uh, I had the PETA, 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 right? PETA, the animal, uh, you know, organization for to 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 be vegan, etc. And I saw some videos about shechita and uh, not sorry, not shechita, about how they kill animals. And then the, I chose chose to be vegetarian. I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna eat meat. But it didn't last so long because we liked we liked meat a lot. Then I showed my brother as well. Mm -hmm. I forced him to watch it as well. And we didn't uh we're like okay no more meat we thought you know meat grows on trees or something we didn't know that it actually came from animals um and then from then i couldn't keep it and my friend he's like oh kosher the shechita is much more you know humane etc and don't worry you know you can eat meat now and i'm like oh great my dad always you know tries to enforce us to keep kosher you know anyways we have it okay i'm gonna keep kosher and from there with the rabbi coming and teaching my brother for his bar mitzvah lesson instead of learning for his bar mitzvah we started just talking about this and that and uh, random things. And then <laughs> my mom actually didn't like it so much. She thought she he was uh, radicalizing us a little bit. So she like told us, Rabbi, you can't come back anymore. 
but uh, because of this, uh, you know, the the computer, the internet, I had access to everything. There was websites, askmoses.com. I don't know if they even had that anymore. <laughs> they had all these different websites, Wikipedia with all the history of everything. So oh, we had knowledge. We had, you know, of, uh, the, the access to, to keep on learning. Uh, and it just kept on growing and growing until, you know, I started wearing a, a kippah in school. Um, probably the only guy wearing a kippah in school. Um, and then as I continued to learn, instead of going to, even when I went to Boston in the summers, I was performing with a kippah with my tzitzidan. I remember I invited the Chabad rabbi to come to my concert. And instead of, uh, I didn't know about the halacha of kol isha. And I told him to come, but the singer from my band was a, was a woman singing. And uh, and uh, he's like, well, I can't come. I can't listen to this. What is this? What are you inviting me for? I didn't know that. Halakhot. But I already was very inspired. I don't know if, why I'm going through the whole story of my history, but uh, it, it actually leads to the book of understanding Hazal. So we'll get there somehow. <laughs> I hope you guys don't mind. If, you, if, if it's... No, no, please okay. do. So, so from there, I went to Eretz Yisrael. I, uh, it was my first time ever going to Israel, was, to, uh, to, uh, was going to study in Yeshiva. I never went there before. Um, it was a very different reality for me going to Israel, especially in, in my in the program I went to, Der Chor Sameach. I heard it was for Bal Teshuvah, but uh, it seemed like my year and maybe maybe years before it as well, they had a lot of just people coming from more modern Orthodox schools. So yeah. it wasn't, I wasn't, your year was like right. that. I also went to Der Chor Sameach, as we mentioned beforehand. It, there was a mix. There were some people I felt that came there and they were already kind of established. Then you had people that came there like you knew absolutely nothing. It was like, it was, like you said, like it's a cholent of, of different types of people. Right. So Program, when I was, I really loved it. Yeah, you loved it. Yeah. So I, I when I was there, I, I it was like a, a reality shock to me because I was the only. I went there already, like black and white. I had peyot a little behind my ear as well, ready to steig. But then, like a lot of guys, like I met them on the plane. I went on the group flight, and it was a shock reality to me. Like these are people that like they didn't really want to be so religious. A lot of the people, of course, there were a few that did, but a lot of people weren't so into it. I remember the the, the first time we go there, we the rabbi sits us down. You're not allowed to go to Ben Yehuda. Okay, so and then we all go to the dorms and I see everybody like putting hair gel and getting dressed. I'm like, where are you guys going? Ben Yehuda. I'm like, what? <laughs> the rabbi just said we can't go to Ben Yehuda. So whatever, it was a little shocking for me. Um, I had my ups and downs there. But Baruch uh, Hashem, towards the middle of the year, I, like, you know, a lot of people start growing, getting more into it. Um, so I, yeah, we're getting more into it as well. First time learning Gemara. I never learned Gemara before. Um, but uh, it was definitely, in the end, a very positive experience. Um, I stayed there. I went there again for Shana Bet, but uh, for only half the year. And then my father also pressuring, they're like, you have to come back, you have to come back, you have to start university. But I'm like, you know, I want to continue learning. And I knew of a place that there's a yeshiva in Miami called the Talmudic University, Rabbi Zweig's yeshiva. So I'm like, dad, I think I just want to study there instead of going to university. Um, I was already accepted to YU also. Like, yeah, I want to, especially with the Hashkafa in, in or Samer, they, 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 they prefer not to go to YU. They prefer, you know, go to some other, you stay there or more yeah. uh, other yeshivish yeshivas. So yeah. Rabbi Weiss is a classic, uh, I don't know, it's like an Air Yisrael break off type of style. So I studied there. Uh, I was there for three, four years, uh, just pure learning, growing more and more. But uh, as I, when I was there in Yeshiva there, a quick funny story about this shahita just to go back and sorry my mind works in crazy ways but uh, i found out later that that video from pita was actually kosher shahita that i saw oh really <laughs> yeah so as a, i'm also a shohet certified for 
for Dakot and Gasot as well. And I did a few of them as well. And Shechita is, I don't, I wouldn't say, I know a lot of Kiruv rabbis say it's so humane. This not, but I don't think they were Shochatim ever. Shechita is probably, it, 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 it's probably not the most humane. You know, for example, you want a quail, they just cut off the head. That's how going do it. And us, we have to, you know, find the two, the kind of deshet or, and, and cut it and you see the animal dying or a duck, you know, it takes a couple of minutes for it to die. Isn't the most humane? I don't think so. But it's, uh, that's the covenant we have with Hashem. We, so we do it like that. But uh, yeah, I want to give a quick shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Rabbi Adam Aziz. So he's, he's a listener of the show. So just want to oh, say, really? yeah. ah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, he's a good friend of mine as well. I have all this Farim as well. And he does, uh, oh no, sorry, Adam Aziz, you're saying. I said, right, Adam, Moshe, 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 Adam Moshe, Aziz, well, he's a good friend. Also, yeah, also, also yeah. listener and also friend, yeah. Ah, beautiful, yeah, Adam Aziz as well is a good friend of mine. He was, he came the year after I was there, but that was Shana Beti, Shana Aleph. And just uh, such hen and and the uh, amazing person growing like crazy, um, and always I'm sure. Um, so yeah, so that was just the funny thing about the shechita thing that it was like what kind of got me into kosher, etc. Was actually uh, completely the opposite in reality. But okay, yeah. I, 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 it turned out become I turned out to be a shochet as well for fun. Um, we had a kolel here in Bell Harbor. And we learned for one zman, we were teaching them shechita. So they all became certified shochatim there. Um, so where was I last? I want to oh, actually understand, I don't know if you're getting to this, but how you found your quote-unquote derech. He's going to get there, I think, yeah. right? Yeah, you're yeah, gonna yeah, get yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so in, in the yeshiva, you know, the in, in, in most of the yeshivish worlds, like the rambam is like the... You know, like the the final thing, the shir klali. You know, every week, let's say you have you're learning the sugiya, and then the, the rosh shiva gives the shir klali, the all encompassing shir on on all the sugiyot. They give out a whole board of all the mare mikomot, and then you get the, the you hear the shir for an hour, or the shir klali, just to you know put the to make shalom with all the different contradictions, and uh, and bring it home. Fine tuning. Yeah. Huh? The fine-tuning of the sugya. Fine-tuning of the sugya, exactly. So most of the times it's on the Rambam. And especially the Rambam, you know, he's very, he doesn't bring the Mekorot. So you know, rabbis, they like to, you know, push in something into the Rambam. So I was just always shocked. I'm like, is this really what the Rambam meant? This is what the Rambam meant in the sugya? When this, and, and, I, and I, I'm like, I, I want to read the Rambam more. And for some reason... I always had this aspiration of, of the Rambam, this respect, tremendous respect to the Rambam. He was a doctor, he was a philosopher, and especially uh, my uncle as well, who's a he was a famous doctor in, in in Spain. My father's brother, he was always talking to me about the Rambam and just uh, in, in all just. So I had this like, affinity for the Rambam, uh, but when I read the Rambam as well, and then also just reading about probably online as well, the Mishatura, what he did, what he accomplished more than, you know, pretty much any other Rishon, seemingly, you know, just the work of the the the, the, the Mishatura. And then, of course, you see in the Yeshivish world as well, they're using the Rambam like, you know, this is the Sefer, the best Sefer in the world. The Ruach HaKodesh, etc. This is the number one Sefer. So I just said, I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to start learning the Rambam. So like in Yeshiva, I just made a seder learning the Rambam from the beginning to the end. And I started doing Hazara. One time I was doing like five prakim a day. Ba, 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 as much as I could do. Uh, I still give actually right before this. I just finished. I, we do a shir every night. A, a parak of the Rambam every night. Um, so learn, starting learning the Rambam. Bring, bring, reading his Hagdama as well. That he's like saying like, you only need the Sefer to understand the, the Halakha, to know the Torah Shabbal Peh. Of course, he's not saying 
people misunderstand it. They think like you're saying you could throw away all the other Sfarim. No, you're just saying if you want to know the sof, the halakha, the psak halakha, what you need to know as a halakhic Jew, all you need is my sefer and that's it. So then I would be like, I don't understand. And he says, he writes it like even, you know, children, women, everybody can understand my sefer. So then I'm like, then I go to shir and I hear, you know, rabbis giving different shirim and we have guest speakers. Nepalpelim. Nepalpelim <laughs> like crazy. Yeah. Into the words of the Rambam and I'm be like, but I don't think this is what the Rambam meant. This is definitely not its kavanah. So I started arguing, you know, then I got, you know, looking online as well. I think I was like the only guy in my yeshiva that had a smartphone in the, the first time, uh, like smartphones came out and I had a smartphone there and I was doing it like in the dorms, you know, checking out a lot of stuff and and, and like reading about the different, uh, you know, I started learning about the Yemenite Mesora, Rav Kapach, as well, Rav Kafeh. And I'm like, I got to get into this. I even went, when I went to Israel again, I bought his whole set. He has like 24 or something, 25 volumes. Probably I'm the only one here in Florida that has the entire set or even, I don't know, maybe there's one other rabbi I could think of, but the entire set of the Rav Kappa. So I started, you know, taking that, bringing it to the Shiva, and then comparing it, like how, let's say a rabbi, the rabbi is learning the sugya, and the way I'm, you know, Rav Kappa is learning the sugya. <laughs> and many times I would be like, whoa, the Rambam, Rav Kappa brings down, the Rambam explained this in a teshuvah that he wrote. Exactly how he learned it, you know. Most was, of the time, by my experience, most of the time, Rav Kafik will will point towards uh, something in the parish of Mishnayot to yes. elucidate, which is interesting because in yeshiva, I've never once heard parish of Mishnayot of the Rambam being used in any sort of fashion ever. You know what I mean? It's always based on the Nosikalim, but you know when you learn the Rav Kafik's uh, work on the on Mishnah Torah, you start to realize that the Nosikalim happened to never have also learned the parish of Mishnah of the Rambam, which led to a lot of the mitpalpelim and all that stuff. So it's interesting. Exactly. Yeah, right. yeah that's true. They sometimes bring parish Mishnayot if like, you know, the Kesev Mishnah brings it down or somebody else brought it down. But like all the Tishuvot, like barely ever. Sometimes also, they're probably the same as parish Mishnayot, but like the Tishuvot, not, not so much as well. So seeing that, and then sometimes as well, you know, Rav Kafa would just answer very easily. Okay, that's the wrong Gersa and the Rambam. Here's the Yemenite manuscripts. <laughs> and that completely, you know, destroys the entire people that, that people would build on it. Or on top of it, oh, the, 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 there's a different Gersa in the, the, the Gemara of the Rambam. Look at the Rabbi Hananel's Gemara and had a different Gersa. And that's why there's no Machlok. You don't have to make a whole people on it. So, like, that was like my awakening to, like, whoa, there's a whole other world. And then from that approach, you know, I started seeing like another approach that people were that a lot of people hold is that the Ramam himself it doesn't matter what he intended because once I'm sure you guys heard this before and people can relate that people say that once the Ramam wrote something down it was written with Ruach HaKodesh and therefore that became you know the Sefer and we can now mipalpe whatever we want into that Sefer so I was like that's really hard to really you know understand that then like on top of it Wait a second. There's multiple girsaot. Oh, my daughter just woke up. Nechila, guys. It's okay. So I was saying that, you know, the approach that people were saying that everything yeah. they wrote with was Ruach HaKodesh. So the question was that I was asking is like, but which girsa? Because the Rambam, we know 100% that he would retract from his, many times in Perish Vishnayot, he kept on retracting from what he wrote previously you know, he finished it when he was 30-something years old. And throughout... He was like 20, right? He started when he was like 20. Yes, yeah, he was 20. And I think he added it three times or something. Yeah, or something. so many. We don't even know because it's just whatever we can find. 
and yeah. you kept editing it and you're editing it and changing based off new, you know, because halacha evolves and a person, you know, throughout the Gemara people, the rabbis are retracting from what they said. So why, why should the Rambam be different? And even in the Girsaot and the Rambam, we have different of his own kitveya. We have different Girsaot uh, and pretty much many times because he just retracted from what he said. The Rav Kappa actually in Hagdama, he says that the Yemenites would send different scholars to maybe Shluchim every year to go and, and, and meet the Rambam in Mitzrayim and see, get the latest updates on, you know, on the different uh, new updates that he did, the Tikkunin that he did on the, the Rambam. So my question was like, which one is the one that's, you know, written with Ruach HaKodesh? Then I remember reading in the Rambam himself in Mor Nebuchim, the Sagdama, he writes, it's so important that when you read a work, you have to try to understand the intent of the author. You know, he's stressing that. And then we're not, you know, the way we're reading it is not like that. So this was my kind of like, you know, like, you know, I'm like, whoa, this is a very different style than what's uh, being taught out there and how to read the Rambam. And I just see that people read the Rambam. Oh, I, I, somebody just told me this joke. Maimonides, why is it called Maimonides? Maimonides. You heard that one before? Yeah, of course. It comes up a lot on our podcast. <laughs> oh, it's new for me. I just heard it like last week. <laughs> and Maimonides. People are reading. Late to the party, man. Late to the party. Oh, late to the party. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm sure you guys know that famous joke when what was it? The so Sephardi guy goes up to Shemaim or the Ramam is in Shemaim. You know that joke? Uh -huh. Oh, no. Oh, okay. So I'll try to say it. I'm sure there's like a thousand different variations of the story. But one time I think it was the. Maybe it was the Briskarav and the Rambam and Shemaim, and they're learning a Rambam. And the Rambam learns it like that. And the Briskarav says, ah, You don't know how to learn it. You're a Svardi. You know, you don't know how to learn a Rambam. You're a Svardi. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't say it properly. But there's I, some type of joke like that. <laughs> you don't know how to learn the Rambam. But, uh, and the funny thing is, like, now you, uh, the more I'm reading, like, his Tishuvot, like, for example, if you read the, you just the, the, read the, 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 the tissue, what the Raman, the Limud was very simple, Pashut, very under, how we understand the Sugya is not, no, no Pilpul, they didn't have that. It was very simple, Tisha. Structured, so, very structured. Very structured, Klalim, that understanding. Your language also. Yeah. Was, uh, clarity was, was extremely important for them. Yes. Very, very important clarity, which is interesting because today it's like clarity is looked down upon to some extent. Yeah. Like it's all about being able to you know, uh, all, the, all the Swati Rishonim yeah. were very much into grammar. Grammar was so important to them. Grammar, clarity, Dikduk. structure, dikduk, everything. Absolutely. Proper thoughts, everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and just as I see, like, you know, how the people are learning the Ramam where, however they want, they're making their Maimonides. <laughs> Even today, I, I was in the Bit Knesset today, and uh, somebody, they, they opened up the Rambam in Hilchot Melachim, about how the Ramam says, he brings down from the Gemara and Ketubot, that somebody who lives in Eretz Israel, all his Averot are mochel, and somebody who's also buried in Eretz Israel, all his Averot are, are gone. So he's telling me, like, yeah, you know, you can be the biggest Russia all your life. As long as you're buried in Eretz Israel, you're going to be good to go. I'm like, no, you, that's not what the Ramam meant. That can't be the Ramam. You have to know, the, if you if you know the Rambam and you read the Rambam for the Rambam, you, that's not going to come as a Havamina in your head. The Rambam is just, coming to give Shevach of Eretz Yisrael to show the importance that pretty much his Hachamim were doing that, you know, to give the Shevach. That's how they spoke. That's their Lashon. But not to take a literal, like you can be like a, like a Nazi and then at the end of your life because you're buried or you can be a Nazi and you're living in Eretz Yisrael all your life. So therefore you're okay to go. That's not, there's no cheap sigulot and tricks, you know, with Hashem. 
And it was just like, I'm telling you, like we were in synagogue yelling at each other today about this. And then, you know, you have to speak their language. So what's the, I went, I opened up the, the Nose Kilim on the Rambam and I found Baruch Hashem, the Lechem Mishneh on the side. And he writes, the Rambam, he went with Rav, uh, Rabbi Eliezer, I forgot, Rabbi Lazar, but really he should have went with Rava on the Gemara, who's a Batra, he came after. And according to the later opinion, they don't learn that Pasuk talking about you're, you're going to be Mochel by living in Eretz Yisrael. That's talking about Yisurin. So the Lechem Ishter writes there, ah, the Rambam, what he meant, he's just bringing this in because it's not Psakalacha, it's just he's giving us Shevach of Eretz Yisrael and don't take it like Psakalacha. And then after, of course, I went to Rav Kafech, and he, of course, he says that straight up on the on the on the spot. But you can't bring, you know, that uh, when you're talking with people that come from a different background. So you bring the lechemish, like ah, okay, okay. And they still wanted to argue with me on something else, but the, the mindset of when you're reading a certain, uh, you know, when you're reading the Rambam, you're reading it how you want to read it, not what the Rambam meant. So because of that, you know, trying to understand the Rambam, you know, where else will you go besides reading the Rambam's works? You, you want to get the closest source as well, Rabbeinu Avram and Rambam. So ah, now after that whole. However, minister story. That's how we get the Rabbi Avraham and the Rambam. Just a natural, you know, if you that natural desire to know the Rambam, that at least the best secondhand source we can get is Rabbi Avraham and the Rambam. And it's actually it's funny in my yeshiva that I went to. There's a one rabbi there that he himself translated. He's Ashkenazi rabbi. He Rabbi Winslberg. He translated the Hamaspik uh, Lov de Hashem. I'm sure you guys are familiar, but just for the the viewers, that Hamaspik Lov de Hashem. It was his uh, magnum opus, a humongous collection of, uh, of 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 his writings that he wrote. Not a collection, but his 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 sefer that he wrote. We don't know how big it was. Unfortunately, we lost most of it, mm -hmm. and we're just finding fragments, or we have some fragments of it. Um, this the, so this sefer, the one that uh, we published with the um, dot press, that was a peric in his sefer. Uh, people didn't know that, but from uh, now, now we're pretty much 100% sure that it's a, it's a fragment from the Amaspik of the Hashem. I just dealt with uh, one peric on how to understand uh, the Mamrim of Chazal. But you have other ones that we have. So Rabbi Winselberg in the yeshiva there, he published a different one more on talking about Hitbodedut. And and I think it's called the, the Guide for Serving God. I think it's published by the guide. I think it's called the Guide for Serving Hashem. I forgot what it's called, the, the, the English name that they used. But um, that's uh, it's more about you know the talking about the derech yachid that which individual can get a close connection to Hashem. So I got very into that as well, reading that, and then started reading let's say his teshuvot bikat Avraham and 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 just any time I could find that he talks about what the Rambam said, uh, especially. I never knew about that. Chuvot yeah, it's the Chuvot. They, they need, they're very outdated. Like the, the, the Girsa, the text is very bad. There's actually a, a good Yemenite friend of mine, Rabbi Sharabi. He's working on doing a new one with a new... Uh, I didn't know about this. Awesome. Let me know when that comes out. I'd, I'd like to get that. Yeah, absolutely. So so, um, seeing whatever I can can find about Rabbi Rabbi Raman, there's actually a Rav Moshe Maimon in Mansi. I think maybe he lives in Nikwin. I'm not sure where he lives now. But he put out uh, these beautiful blue books as well. On his name is Rabbi Moshe Maimon. That's cool. Yeah. Moshe Maimon. He is uh, his family. They claim to be descendants of the the Rambam as well. They're from Turkey, though. So he put out on you know on 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 Bereshit. Oh, these are amazing. Yeah, yeah. These are unbelievable. 
it's just you know in let's say in the world of the ballet tosafot etc they didn't have that uh, approach at all it was a very different approach and that became the more mainstream approach but uh for me at least in, in this world and in, in living in a generation where let's say i came from you know it's important to know my background i guess that's why i said it coming from a world where you know i i i'm from that generation loving to watch debates between uh uh, with Sam Harris and who are all these atheists? The, the Christopher Hitchens and Dawkins. Christopher Hitchens, Dawkins, uh, fighting, uh, let's say great Christian uh, apologetics like uh, William Lake Craig, uh, Craig, William Craig, all these great guys. Like I love watching the debates uh, and, and seeing these different things. And you know, there is knowledge. There is Hokmal Goim. There is definitely knowledge. And how do we deal with it? How we, you know, if you want to have a Judaism that can actually survive in university on a university level. You know, be able to argue with professors and, you know, say my Judaism stands and, uh, you know, I can be a orle goyim even nowadays and with my Judaism and teach you even if you want to accept evolution. No problem. We can we can work with evolution. You don't want to. OK, whatever. Wherever it is, we can work with it with this approach because you're not, you know, not married to anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not exposing your Judaism because you're accepting because when you accept certain things as dogma and saying that it's Har Sinai. And that every, you know, the, the way that people understand Torah Shabbat Peh nowadays is it's just so all-encompassing Torah Shabbat Peh. Every single thing was Torah Shabbat Peh. Therefore, now you actually are exposing your Judaism because, you know, if you find something that doesn't fit with it, the whole thing can fall. But and when you have this approach... There's a misconception by a lot of people, like, that they think that everything we have today was originating in Har Sinai. And it's really, like, it's problematic because you, you run into these kind of issues all the time. All the time, yeah. I mean, you 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 open up the the Rambam in Hilchot Mabrim, like Halach Moshe Misina. You had a few of them, thirty something of them, and uh, and he lists them, and everything else. Most of Torah Shabbat Pei, just what the Sanhedrin chose because they had new situations came up, they had a machloket and they voted on majority, and that became part of the you know Torah Shabbat Pei. That is Torah Shabbat Pei. It's an ongoing evolution of new situations happening. And the Hachamim being posek, what's Alakha based off a majority vote? And that's Torah Shabbat Peh. But we everything got, else... At Sinai, we it's got, a system. Yeah. We, the and, system is what's passed. Exactly. And, and what we got at Sinai is really the, the foundation. It's the, the basis of all the mitzvot. But obviously, every generation has to build off of that because things change. Times change. So we have these courts, you know, like you mentioned. So I think that's just something that's important for us to mention here because, you know, people don't always have that understanding. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, and it's, it's very, when you have this approach, you are able, like I, last week I've been a, a guy, some, a, a person, a, a friend of mine. Now he became a good friend of mine. He was trying he was becoming Jewish for many, many years, converting five, six years. He became much like a Tamil Hacham or as the Ramam said, Tamil Hachamim. He was a, became a scholar. He never converted, but because of, you know, the atmosphere in the, in the, and the approach of the Jews he was around, he decided, you know what? It's not for him. And he became a Muslim, but a very devout Muslim. Yeah. And uh, and and so we, we have now it's like once a week we talk and he tries to prove Islam to me. And I, maybe he's going to listen to this later, but I his arguments, they don't work at all when you come with an approach from the Rambam, that style of the approach of the Gaonim. Because mm. we don't have that. We're not bound to certain things that they have to be bound to, that other people are bound to. No. And, and, and at the same time, too, if there's something that Chachamim say, 
that's not halachic, we don't have to say we don't have to say it's you know it's we have to follow that type of hashkafa. Uh, or even if it's let's say it is halachic, for example, that I, I talk about in the book, there could be things that were let's say scientific that hachamim were posek, and we have to follow it. But that's just, for example, let's say the Ramam says in, in Hilchot Terefot that there are certain things, nowadays we see the animals, they're surviving much more than one year. And therefore, why is it a problem? The Ramam says, it doesn't matter. We can't add or we can't remove because that was something that was gozer by the hachamim. So until we have a new Beidin, there's a technicality. We just can't change the law. Even though if it's not scientifically you know, sound at the moment. Or for example, Rav Herzog, he held uh, about killing kinim on Shabbat, lice, you know, in the entire world. People believed in spontaneous generation, and that lice came out of nowhere. Uh, until the the invention of a microscope, and people can see, oh wow, lice—they actually don't spontaneous generate; they actually have periaurivia. Therefore, maybe we can't kill them nowadays, because the Gemara says, the, the Mishnah says, you can kill kinim on Shabbat because they don't come from they spontaneous generate. So the halacha is, you're allowed to kill. They're almost posed like that. So, are we still nowadays allowed to kill? Do we, can, should we be machmir and not kill? So the approach, if I recall correctly, of Rav Herzog is like, no, we can actually still kill them because that's the halacha. And that's how halacha is formatted. You know, the, the Supreme Court of Amisra was posek like that. So we still have to follow that law because of the technicality. If the new bedin comes, when all the rabbis get the act together, we want to make a new Sanhedrin. And that's the only way we could have a unified halacha is when we have a Sanhedrin. Then things can change, but not until then. So it doesn't. Your Judaism is so much more concrete and able to defend yourself in this way. I see it all the time. I there's also there's a very big uh, Jew for Jesus. His name is Dr. Michael Brown. Of course, I don't know if heard of yeah, the guy with a mustache. Yes, the guy with a mustache. And he, unfortunately, I see him. He he, he argues with rabbis and he defeats them. You know, yeah. he, you know he, why? Actually, I saw his even a guest on our previous guest on our show, Rabbi Tovia Singer. The reason why he defeats him is because. He kind of uses midrash as his. He argues against midrash. Is this what you're going to get to? And yeah. and the rabbis are like, oh, what do we do? You know, because now he kind of like cornered us. And the problem is like, hello, don't you understand hello. what we are? Exactly, exactly. I mean, he he really. I love Raftuvia Singer, but he cornered Raftuvia okay. Singer in one place. He actually, you know, Raftuvia Singer said that if you, uh, maybe we should edit this out. I don't know, <laughs> but he said that he said that uh, you know if you. If you can, uh, if you can prove me this, that uh, one rabbi held in uh, that uh, in in uh, in Isaiah fifty two or fifty three that it was talking about uh, uh, the Messiah and not Am Yisrael, then you know I'll convert to Christianity. And Dr. Michael Brown actually found a Rishon that held like that. Mm -hmm. But for us, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't move the needle in any way. Yeah. It's not it's it's not oh God yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm telling you, I actually I started I bought. I have his Mike, Dr. Michael Brown's series on like, you know, trying to disprove Torja Balpe and trying to prove this and that. I mean, when you have this, this hashkafa of, of like, uh, of, of the Rambam, or let's say the later of Haham Faur, at least you can destroy these guys in a second, one second, besides the fact that their entire religion, Christianity is like, it's like Midrashim, literally. Their whole religion, the, the New Testament, is all about demonology. It's basically, and, a midrash. I mean, there have been big, big rabbis who actually were okay with studying the New Testament as a midrash. You know, <laughs> it's not a um... big midrash, and it's all about you know dibukim and and people being possessed with the devil and him taking it. It's all magic and sorcery. You know, <laughs> it, the whole thing is like that. 
So this approach is just so it's unbelievable. And I'm telling you, I can you can argue with anybody when you have this, and you're already you tasted it. You 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 watch these debates and be like, maybe it's something. Yeah, yeah. you just want to jump in there and help. Them. You know, yeah, the thing, I think what Rabbi Toby Singer is doing is unbelievable to dedicate his life to this. But I think that's really part is. of the the issue why he wasn't able to answer that question because I think he's been so immersed in this specific topic that maybe he's not as nuanced in those areas of understanding let's say what the gonim said about midrash right, right. he's niche yeah, yeah he's very niche. that's his focus but exactly. overall i think his he does so much good for like oh. 99 of what he says is just amazing so I would oh, exactly that well. he can uh you know that he knows the entire new testament balpen he can destroy them in the new testament it's unbelievable and he knows tanakh more than you know, unfortunately, a lot of Orthodox Jews don't know Tanakh at all. And he's just holding and he's there to defend us. And he's, Hashem should bless him. And another thing about, about, uh, amen. Another thing about, you know, the, the debating with Christians, um, one of the things that I think they use as a weapon against a lot of rabbis, and I think they also corner a lot of Jews with, with the Kabbalah. And again, if you, if you hold like the Rambam, you won't fall into those traps. Because Absolutely. Kabbalah really does not apply, uh, and and uh, and they use it. If you go to the Jews for Jesus website, um, I mentioned this before in the podcast. Almost all of their arguments are based on Midrash and Kabbalah. Absolutely, they find, they'll find you know the Abba Ima Zeirian Pin and show that there's a Trinity in Kabbalah, and they'll do all these things like these like mental gymnastics using that, those ideas, and you're just like, okay, well. Most many many Jews don't accept Kabbalah, right? So it's so on point. It's so on point. You know, you, I don't know if you guys read the Vikuach of the Ramban with uh, Pablo Kristiani. He yes, added in, yes, yes, and yes. there it's actually fascinating. The 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 the, the Christian, uh, unfortunately, Pablo Christiani, yeah, Pablo Christiani. He had to stay away from the Kabbalah stuff. It wouldn't help the cause. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> he was all he was attacking the Ramban with Midrashim. Yes. Yes. And the, what did the Ramban say? I actually quoted it in Understanding Hazal. He's saying. What is a midrash? He told him, he's like, what is a midrash? A midrash is, let's say one of your popes come up and starts giving a derasha on something. That's what a midrash is. Each rabbi comes and says something. He doesn't source it saying that he got it from his rabbi, that got it from his rabbi. A midrash is, rabbi, Amar Rabbi Akiva. Da, 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 da. There's no, they're not saying, I received it, you know, all the way from here. It, he's giving a derasha, exposition on something, and that's it. So I don't have to know all the, Ramban says, I don't have to know. Sometimes he would say in the Vikwa, I don't know this Midrash, number one, <laughs> because there's in the Varso, there's so many Midrashim, and we're even finding more, you know, the Midrashim, yeah. the Tamani, was so many Midrashim. Thousands upon thousands. thousands that we don't even know when certain Midrashim were written or not. And on top of it, I you can argue with the Midrash, that's what the Ramban said. If that's what, and then he would still try to speak their language and show even within the Midrash that, you know, you're incorrect. But it's a very important principle to know that, too. you know, when you don't take Midrashim, Ramban uses strictly rational arguments there. He doesn't yeah. he doesn't tap into Kabbalah because that's opening Pandora's box. Doesn't help the cause. Yeah, we mentioned it recently yeah, on another podcast. It it's it's like, you know, okay, you want to refute the Trinity. If you're gonna introduce this the spheroth, even if you have a very conservative and kosher kind of like understanding of it, it's still like just, you're just yes. creating bigger problems than solutions, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And these Christians, they know that you, you start telling them about, uh, you know, the Trinity is Avodah Zarah. They're going to get you with the Sefirot. And they're going to show you why the Trinity, they can explain very easily why the Trinity is not Avodah Zarah. You know, they they can explain. They have beautiful Same way. Wow. Same way. Yeah. yeah, they really explain it. And they know they have, I mean, you know, you know, you grow up in the yeshiva world and you think like, you know, these guys don't know anything. These guys know a lot. They're very extremely, first of all, it's Rabbi, a misconception yes. that I've only recently started realizing, like yeah. in the past few years, like to me, the Trinity made absolutely no sense. Only 
like only a few years ago did I realize that I was literally thinking Trinitarian without even realizing it the whole time. Literally didn't even yeah. realize what I was doing. We're, we're actually you know going mean? to have a, we're going to have a podcast soon. We're going to be recording it tomorrow. I don't know when we're going to release it, but on the, now that we're on the topic on uh, Gnosticism and its influence on both Christianity and Judaism um, leading to Kabbalah. So it's very important for people to understand, you know, it's, it's really, because like we said, if you go with Rambam and this this approach to to halacha to hashkafa, you really don't run into any problems. Yeah. It's just like even even the we were have, we had a rabbi Rabbi Maruf on and we did an episode about Spinoza and I, I recommend everybody check that out. And he basically shows throughout even the atheists today all the problems that people have against the idea of God. If you have the Rambam's approach to to God, it's more it's something that even a a thoughtful kind of atheist would be open to accepting because it's it's so it's so like uh reasonable yes reasonable. It's, it, it, and you know it, i i see this happen all the time because i have a lot of friends that say they got smicha in certain kiruv kodalim and they try to go and do uh kiruv rehokim and it's not so easy for them because the the generation now the people, the kids nowadays, they're even, they're 10 times more educated than I was. They have, in, in a second, they know they're holding everything about everything. Regular people, they're listening to what's that famous uh, show that everybody listens to, Joe, Joe Rogan. Rogan, everyone's yeah. Rogan. People, yeah, people love, the, the, the science is flowing. People love it. Elon Musk is a new Yashka, you know? <laughs> people love the science. People, they, they, they love this. People are so educated. And in the religious world, it's just like, Completely opposite. You know, you ask, a, unfortunately, big rabbis, Gedolim, you know, tell us the difference between a neuron and electron and what a, what's a protein, how does matter made, what's the difference between chemistry and biology, basic stuff. We don't know. It's a very big problem. And, you know, Gedolim. Yeah, yeah. It's, Nothing. It's, <laughs> I, actually, I think, like, what people should look into is Rav Cook, what he says about atheism. Atheism is kind of forcing Judaism to look itself in the mirror sanitize. and sanitize itself and kind of like you can't have an atheist who believes in like uh, superstition and and you know this kind this kind of nonsense so Absolutely. it forces Judaism to become kind of more refined and sophisticated and intelligent no longer it has to drop all of the all of the crazy stuff that has attached itself to Judaism over the years it's forcing Judaism to become kind of like back to its roots, back to fundamentals. It's part of why our podcast appeals. We, we've seen the people who reach out to us, a lot of them are like ex-Haredim, ex-Hasidim, who didn't think there was a derech for them. They find Judaism to be very like kind of arcane and, and superstitious. And they're like, oh, wow, it's actually a chokhmah. There's a, there's a tradition. There's a Rambam. We only heard, we learned Rambam through the eyes of a different rabbi, you know, like which is what we were just talking, just talking about. about. Yeah. So this He's stuff, a mikubal, the Ramans and Mikubal, yeah, yeah, there are yeah those mikubal, mikubal, God. deathbed confessionals, all these different uh, you know. <laughs> deathbed <laughs> confessionals. I, I tell you, I can't stress it enough. The, this generation now, now you have this artificial intelligence chat. What chat? Uh, what's it called? Chat GPT. Yeah, chat GPT. You want any information? It's right there in front of you. This is a generation like we said, door dei. It's like to the extreme now. And, you know, we're up for a battle now. It's a big battle. We can, the, all the Jews that are already in Orthodox Judaism, okay, for sure, the bubble's getting, you know, a, a, the Bible, the, it's getting, becoming more bigger bubble. I don't know how you say bigger or smaller bubble, but they have to keep in their bubble more because, you know, to fight this world. And if you're not prepared 
to really deal with this the reality that people know the knowledge that's out there and if you don't have the proper tools for it it's it's really it's it's very dangerous so that's very optimistic about you know like like even you see the interest like lex friedman podcast also another famous podcast he's having muslims on jordan peterson having christians on all these people having these conversations all these years for centuries all these religions have kind of been at each other's throats Mm -hmm. the first time there's this kind of place where everyone could just have these conversations and it's bringing knowledge of god to the world like even even though christianity we don't believe christianity or islam is the, the truth but they contain a lot of truths and they're positive developments for mankind according to rambam where it's like you know they're kind of pushing the idea of hashem to the world even if it's not exactly the way but it's still for the goyim it's 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 great yeah, even for you know the way of the Rambam right now, I'm actually translating a sefer of Ibn Falakera. Um, I mean, they they were learning from the going. They were best friends with the Rabbeinu Rambam learned so much from the Sufi Muslims. He yeah. said that they 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 contain some of the misura that we lost. You know, the, the prayer, Jews, the way they pray, they pray, etc. A certain style of life. So I mean, there's so much in Islam. You know, I, I talked to like say my Muslim friend or other Muslim friends, and they're like. You know, they're they're more Sfaradi than me. I'm like, wow, you know, I get you know, sometimes you can relate to them, like, wow, and 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 it's such a copy of Judaism, Islam. Very so we, we, we can we can learn a lot from from them as well. I think that there's a Absolutely. lot we yeah, and there's a lot of similarities, of course, a lot of big differences. And you know, when we have our that the proper approach and foundation that the you know Baruch Hashem you guys are pushing for, we're able to show and really be on top of this game of our religion. But uh, there's definitely so much, you know, we're definitely in the same boat in, in a lot of matters, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we, I actually, uh, I'm going to be releasing a podcast with, I had with uh, Imam. So um, look forward to that one. That's, that's wow. beautiful, beautiful. I yeah, also so think that the, the, the bubble system, how long can it really last in this day and age? Yeah. I don't think that it can really last. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a type of... It, it doesn't end well, these type of things. People, people, you can't constrict people for yes. too long. Eventually, and we've seen it, you yes. know, we've seen it, you know, you've seen it like this, you know, with people that you know in that world, of course, of course. right? That, you know, the Das Torah kind of mentality is falling apart at, the, at its seams. And it's, it's, it's only a matter of time till people have to choose, you know, do they still want a Judaism that is based in, truth and tradition and reality or, and reality right <laughs> or or are we going to keep playing this you know game that it's just put your head in the sand you know and it's a chaval because like you say like if people would open their open their minds to the to the rambam and to the chokhmah and in general you know the world is your friend knowledge is your friend door de'a yeah, is your friend yeah. it, 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 it aids yeah. us you know yeah. so it's it's Mamasha Chaval, and you know the whole point of this podcast is to try to open people's yeah. eyes to to that. Yeah, derech, which... science is not like you mentioned earlier. It's not a threat. It's it's our friend. It's, it's a, the tool Hashem, to reach Hashem. The, the creator of the world is also the you know the author of the Torah is also the the author of the world. It's there's Absolutely. they're not two separate categories. Yeah. Absolutely. No, and what you said it it's true because you know how much can this bubble go for? And in, in history, it, it does repeat itself. There was you know. Unfortunately, 90 something percent of all Ashkenazim went off the derech when, you know, Napoleon allowed, you know, he opened up the world to them. And uh, how were they? How was the Hashkafa before that when when Napoleon allowed them to start becoming, you know, in, in, included in society? I think maybe I'm getting the history wrong, but I thought it was Napoleon. But uh, 
you know, the it, it 90 something percent of all Jews, you know, of Ashkenazim Jews completely went off. You know, nowadays, you know, th th does history repeat itself again? You have so many, the bubble, the, the people, the closed mindedness of people is getting more and more closed. The way they, they, they're, they're so intolerable to certain ideas. If you even quote, I remember my brother once quoted, uh, he was giving a Devar Torah. My brother's also a, a, a rabbi and he, he actually is just translating the, he's publishing, uh, coming out a couple of weeks, the grandson of, of uh, the Rambam, Hanagid, David Hanagid, Perush on Pirkei Avot. But he told me that once he gave a derasha and he quoted uh, Antinones, uh, uh, not uh, maybe I forgot who it was. He quoted some uh, some philosopher, and the 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 crowd there, one rabbi there, like yelled at him and told him to sit down, and it, it went nuts at him because of that. So it there it it's really like the bubble is getting really really you know I don't know the tension is really there. It's it's kaval. It's sad. The tension's there, and it's crazy because you know, they so if they only knew that like Pirkei Avot is basically based on on stoicism the greek stoicism marcus aurelius epictetus um you know this is this so is the wisdom crazy so many similarities like the yeah. some lines are the exact direct quotes you know exactly. quotes. there's this yeah. idea that like judaism can't learn. that's the whole beauty of, of torah is that the, the chazal they they would see wisdom of the world and they would they would bring it into judaism kind of like show that it's compatible you know, like there, when there's wisdom, wisdom is wisdom. Doesn't matter what source it comes Objective. from. Objective. Yes. Right. Not right. Is, is, and that's what people like. They say like, oh, the Talmud is filled with astrology. It's filled with, you know, demonology. All these different things. So like, you know, yeah. in the Ram, why the Rambam? They attack the Rambam all the time. So there, there's an opposite way to look at it. Like, if you know the history back then, astrology back then, demonology. These were like, the, these were like, these were the top. You know, society. If you want to be a cultured person, a sophisticated person, this is what you have to believe. So yeah. to say that you know, oh, how can you know how could they believe in these things if it was wrong? No, that that's that was a science of their time. Again, this was a halakha we should be saying I believe in these things. No, but even Maimonides, even Ramban, when he believed in you know necromancy, he says the science of necromancy, meaning he understood it as part of like the the law of love. The laws of nature. Well, he basically. says more than that. It, he he clearly doesn't call it Misora because he actually says that he went and tried to discover for himself whether it's true, and he saw it with his own eyes. Meaning, he performed what, in his mind, was a scientific, you know, uh, procedure. Uh, procedure, in his yeah. mind, to, to to realize the truth of it or not. He did not say like I received from my, you know, uh, my rabbi or this or that. That was yes. not the, Ram the Ramban's words. He mm -hmm. says it in his Pirish Tuchumash somewhere. I don't remember where, but um, that's what he says. So he, he actually verified for himself through his whatever means he he felt Absolutely. you know compelled him. and But he verified for himself. So all, You find it in the Benishai as well. The Benishai, oh, I didn't know about that. What? Yeah, the Benishai as well. He, try, he, he tries to prove certain uh, you know things, this heebie-jeebie stuff, let's say. Um, based off certain uh, science realities that you know he said that the whole world accepts during his time. Certain things that can't be explained by nature, and nowadays, you know, we can really explain yeah. a lot of it. You know, yeah. So, yeah, like yeah. someone, you know, two hundred years ago would would you know they would think he's having a exorcism, but really it's yeah, just a a, he's just having an epileptic seizure. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're throwing, they're throwing holy water on him. You know, but today there's medication, so there's you know, it's it's just yeah. how, how do we deal with there's there's discoveries that we make over time 
and the rabbis are always trying to give an explanation, a scientific explanation for those things. Yeah. You know, so you, we can't fault them for that. That's absolutely. Right. And there's two ways of like looking at it. There's another approach is that Hachamim, I mean, the Rambam himself in, in a Teshuvah about astrology, he explains that it was like a, that it was a small minor opinion of Hachamim Yisrael that believed in astrology, but the, the, the Rabim Rov didn't believe in it. That's one approach. Another approach is that, is that the Hachamim themselves, they didn't believe in these things, but they allowed certain things like in the, in the Sefer as well. Like, why did they allow certain, uh, let's say, amulets to be used, carried on Shabbat, etc.? They conceded ideas. Because people believe in it, so they allowed certain... You also know, have the trade, trade, trade approach, or by trade, trade, trade approach. Where, yeah, they sort of, they they find it like almost like, uh, how, how would you describe it? Yeah, they're, they're it? using, for example, they'll see like Dim, Shedim, right? And they'll, they'll say that they didn't really believe in demons, but they were appropriating um, these... these uh, ideas from their culture because it was a commonly understood kind of right. uh, idea and and really they're just using it to kind of give uh give over ideas you know it's or it's uh, or it's scientific science of the time also that he, i think they also hold that there's certain sarcasm involved yes yes i well. think that's what it was there's a sarcasm involved like like the one with the demons by the by the mountain at yes, night what yes. was it well there's always every time demons are showing up there was an isolation correct yes so yes. there's so yeah, he it, says, "It's that's where that's your imagination. It's teaching us about you know, don't let your imagination run wild because what happens is that that's the imagination is the seed of idolatry. So if you put yourself in situations where you're in an abandoned building or you're or alone at on, night and start, you're, you're gonna start, yeah, if you're isolated on a mountain or on an island somewhere, you're gonna start potentially talking to yourself or hearing voices in your head. So you kind of have to it's like another approach. It's, it's another, another approach. approach. Exactly. It's another approach. Um, but there's many approaches. Yeah." Yeah. yeah. One one thing that's very important that I want to just add in is that you know sometimes when you get to this more rational approach, unfortunately, they your your religious level kind of you know that inspiration that that spark in you kind of can can go down and and then also your halachic uh, following and uh, your observance just also kind of goes down. So something about the Rabbin Rabbi Rambam that is just for me just such a such a hizuk and why I I love him so much is that he was like. A Hasid, let's say he was, you know, doing hit body dude. He talked about hit body dude before anybody just going in the middle of the nowhere and praying and leaving everybody else, and 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 still at the same time with such religious devotion. The Ramam as well, you know, he would go to the mikveh every time he had a carry. He talked about in his teshuva, you know, they were, he, he he was a Hasid as well in halakha, very pious medakdek and everything, but at the same time. They were halachas. They would follow halacha without, you know, the. I'm sure you guys are aware that the Andalus, they don't have all the kulot that, let's say, the Balitosafot come up with, you know, based off, oh, batel, batel uh, tam, batel halacha, you know, batel gezera. They, they, they didn't have that concept. You know, there's the kulot you find in others, in other school of thoughts. But Rambam, Rabin Rambam, Rambam, 100% dedicated to music. Okay, nowadays we can't, uh, let's say, we don't, uh, we don't know how to make a kli to make music on Shabbat. So maybe perhaps we're allowed to dance, like the, the Ramah brings down, let's say. No, the Ramah doesn't matter. That's a gezerah. That's the law. We have to follow it. There's 100% commitment to halakha. At the same time, super spiritual as well, like Rabbi 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 At the same time, so rational. So rational, top of the science, top doctors in the world. This idea of, yes. of not being spiritual is so wrong, because I feel since I became... I mean, the are wild. Right? Yeah, yeah. Since we became, like we used to study Kabbalah, Hasidut, since we became rational, quote unquote, I hate to use the term, but there's we've been so inspired because when you get that flash of like wisdom and like that aha moment, because 
it's not it's not a world of abstraction like the you know like the more mystical kind of streams it's a it's a world of of understanding everything builds on its on the other thing right it's like a it's an amazing system of of knowledge that we never even knew existed and to me it's the most inspirational thing we don't we don't lose that inspiration i'll tell you i'll tell you something when someone who is look i myself i admit it all the time um, I studied uh, Kabbalah and Hasidut for a long time, mainly Hasidut, not so much Kabbalah. I wasn't very big into like Kabbalah, Kabbalah. I was more into Hasidut and inspiration and stuff like that. Kabbalah also, but I'm saying like more my focus was more on that from that end. There's a certain addiction that that develops over time where you get a little bit addicted to a certain way of thinking, of way of getting inspired. You need to adjust your mindset. That is a little bit difficult in the beginning. You have to adjust your mind. You have to adjust the way you see things. You have to adjust the way you approach things. But if a person is willing to take that leap, you know, because a lot of people are scared because a lot of people are happy with their inspiration and with their abstractions and with their, you know, imaginative, you know what I'm saying, right? Uh, people are happy with that because it, it does feel good and it feels like you're getting close to God in your own imagination or whatever. Um, but if a person can, can pass that, leap that and adjust their mind frame on the other side there's just as much inspiration it's just learning how to get in in a different way you have Absolutely. to learn how to get in, in a different way it takes it's an adjustment yeah. but it's it's available you just have to take the leap in a way absolutely yeah. no, and it's important that we you know i think this is a it's especially in the sephardi world you know most of the our our parents grandparents and everything they weren't part of this as you can i don't like to use the term as well rational world as well but now this generation, there are a lot of people that are becoming like this. You see in London, the Habura started. These are the last Sephardi guys that are, you know, all like-minded people like us. So we're kind of like uh, new into this. And it's important for us to make communities, get together, um, kind of, you know, help structure and help help each other out in this path of being committed. Halakhi Jews, 100%, creating Tamire Hahamim, writing Sfarim writing Tishuvot, writing everything and, and and at the same time spiritual and we have to we have to you know we have to work with each other we all we have to build. help each other. we need to build yeah. we need to build and we also need to you know reach out and have conversations with people outside of our bubble yeah um because it's very you know like that's one thing we do and maybe we get criticism from it from like the purists but the truth is we we want this idea these ideas to spread we want it to be you know it's a revive there's a real need and a real desire for people right now to to find something that's rationally based everybody craves it we live in like we live in the age of skepticism and reason and 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 uh, the, the age of information people desire this um, they just don't know that it exists so i think that you being part of this is really like you're a pioneer what you're doing right now is unbelievable and we want we want to connect with people like you um to you know get people excited again and to understand that there's there's revolution happening in Torah. So we want to thank you for coming on. And if thank you can you. quickly plug your book again and just sure. tell everybody where they could find it. Um, that'd yes, be great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. The book, let's see if I have one here. Yes. Understanding Hazam. It is available on the, on Amazon only, or you can actually go to dot, dot press, D-A-A-T dot P-R-E-S-S. -S, and we have the links there for the Sefer as well. We thank can you. add, yeah, we're going to add a link in the description. We're going to add a link in the, the description. Dot press for anyone. 
So really, we, we want to thank you so much. It was a great conversation. We're happy to get to know you. And we hope to do this again. Amen. Shavuot. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for the opportunity. All the best. So much. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for tuning into the Judaism Demystified podcast. We really appreciate all your support and your feedback. If you want to help us grow the podcast, keep spreading the word, share it with your friends, family, or whoever you think would be interested. We also opened a Patreon, so you can become a patron, contribute any small amount you'd like, which would really help us grow the show. Um, our Patreon is www.patreon.com Judaism. Pretty easy to remember. Thank you again, and we hope to keep putting out great shows for you guys. Before we go, we want to thank our Patreon supporters by name. Those are the supporters that are helping make this show happen because, frankly, Bensi and I are full-time workers who don't really have so much time on our hands because we have families, we have kids, and it's just a passion project that got way bigger than we expected. So we're dedicating more time to this, and obviously our production value up until this point hasn't been great, considering that we filmed this in Bensi's basement using a green screen and a crappy little microphone and not such great equipment, to be honest. I'm sure you all realize that. So we are hoping to up our quality and get better equipment. And part of that process is going to be due to you guys, the listeners and supporters. If you go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Judaism, you will see all the different tiers of ways you can help us out. So first of all, we want to thank our super patron, Jordan Carmilli, our platinum patron, Craig Gordon, our gold patrons, David Chaya Abramchayev, Laser Cohen, Travis Kruger, Vasily Volkov, silver patrons, Ellen Fleischer, Daniel Maksumov, Rabbi Penny Rosenthal, and Jeffrey Wasserman. Thank you all for supporting the show, and we hope you guys enjoy.